Jim Goad, welcome back to the Kill Stream, sir. It's good to have you here. Hey, Nicholas, how you doing? <laughs> We're doing great. How's your Christmas uh, season off to so far? Yeah, it's doing all right. Uh, getting it together. It's getting cold here. Now, are you Dark. a Christmas guy? Hey, I, I fucking I'm a cold weather faggot, man. I can't stand it. <laughs> I, I could live on the, like a sunspot and be happy. I hate the cold weather, and it gets cold in Georgia too. So, well, you know, I'm here in Merida, and it doesn't get cold here. Yeah, you son <laughs> of a bitch. Yeah. It does not get cold here. Um, now, uh, how you been in general? No, oh, you don't even. You like you got ten hours. Like I don't even want to get into that. It's all kinds of catastrophes are happening, but uh, keeping my head above water, you know. Well, that's but good. uh. I was listening to some of the the previous conversations. Oh, were you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like. Let's let's dial back a little bit. Didn't this all start with like video games? Well, like, it did and, for me uh, in 2014 because that's how I got in. And uh, these guys, game. but you guys weren't political back then. Well, I was. Right? I went to college for political science and, and all okay. that stuff, so I already was. But yeah, you know, the GamerGate people, most of those people weren't political. Uh, no, it was just about not having woke politics in video games. Basically, yeah, not having. It would have been, you know, I'd be happy if they fucking kept it at that because I think everybody's gone insane with politics across the board, and I'm going to get attacked from every side because of this. But I think, I think the big Fed op is making everybody insane with politics. Yeah, and we watched your um, your video there about the uh, division. Of the genders, basically, um, through through political means. Uh, what prompted that? And there's an article yeah, first. I think. Well, I mean, I was at the, I gave a speech, a countercurrent speech in Fort Worth, Texas, in October. It was completely incoherent because I only had two hours of sleep. But I just, you know, because I've never considered myself a movement guy. I've never even considered myself right wing. I'm just a irreverent guy who, uh, I mean, the, the way they're bashing white people across the board is bullshit to me and that's about as far as it goes but it occurred to me that maybe like when I, i'm not sure if i was high or not but i was in my late teens early 20s i thought like the problem's never what you think it is and maybe all this politicization that it's everything you know everyone accusing everyone else of being a fed maybe that's the fucking op maybe like you're missing the forest for the trees and because as someone who's and can't stop reminding people, I've been to prison. They don't care if you're a liberal. They don't care if you're religious. They see your fucking skin. And I think we've been mixed up enough in this country where it's going to get really dangerous for white people as they become a minority. So maybe get over the left right shit, the boomer zoomer shit, the trad, you know, uh, futurist, whatever that is. Uh, rich versus poor all of it because in the streets it's not going to matter just my opinion but like as far as everybody like i was what dingo said about saying that richard spencer it was his fault at charlottesville i think that is well england said that and dingo said he didn't agree with that to be clear uh but yeah england had, had basically laid it all How could, feet, I've, I've said like from the start i mean i wasn't there i i watched i watched two streams the first one i saw it was in the afternoon. It was like a white guy trying to get in his car surrounded by about 200 black guys. And that went on for like 20 minutes. It was tense. And then I saw the crash happen. It was on Faith Goldie's stream. But I, like, how could anyone, after what the media did with it, how could they blame the guys who were trying, any of the guys who were trying to march? If there was any fucking op, that was the op. The op 
tactics war was the op. That was the most divisive, stupid, and it's been nothing but drama and infighting and retardation and rampant, galloping, mincing faggotry ever since. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I can't disagree with that. And I was, I mean, I don't know what to do about it necessarily. Uh, but, and I can't say that I haven't been a part of, you know, some of the fighting myself, right? Um, well, yeah, but not that but, I haven't either. But uh, I mean, it's like these all agent, when it's okay, we're going to divide you along religion, we're going to divide you along class uh, against age. Those are the most likely, like if they're not actually, like, because when people say Fed, do they mean federal agent, federal informant, someone on the federal payroll? Or, I mean, if it's just all organic, I'm sure the feds love this kind of shit. Just, just infighting, like they're like doing Antifa's job for them. They just, they just tore the shreds. There was kind of a movement at, of some point back then, but it's just been gay ops ever, and you know, character assassination ever since. And the people who are most responsible, the assholes who made their bones do it, like stepping on other people's necks. Yeah, that's what I, that's my that's my opinion. I don't disagree. And I see Dingo. He was psyched that you that you mentioned him. And he said, Ralph, please make sure he knows that I'm in 100 percent agreement with him on that. And that's exactly what I was saying. Uh, I can't have Jim go thinking I'm pro division uh, is what he <laughs> said there in, in the chat. He's a he's a big uh, fan of yours. Um, and what's what's I, the reason the recent development is Anglin's mad at Fuentes for talking yeah, to Spencer. Is that he, the recent? That's right. He denounced uh, Fuentes over that and said that was the worst thing he could do. He was rehabilitating Spencer and what was his problem basically. And he doesn't listen to anybody. And I'm, I'm not a mind reader. I mean, that's, that's one thing I think everyone online seems to be a mind reader and knows why people do things. I've always said this. I'm going to preface this by saying this again. Anglin is a very funny writer as a writer. He's, he's one of the best guys writing these I days. So I think so. But like my speculation is didn't he have to leave the country because he got 19 million dollars in debt over kind of like encouraging people to harass people well, me mean to richard spencer yeah so um it's 19 million or 14 million. it's it's multi-mill it's over 10 million i think it's 19 or 14 something like that and i right. want to say he was already out of the country uh, but I'm not yeah, I don't sure. Know. That's, that's, but that's basically, why I, right. yeah, he's got that huge judgment. I think they have an arrest warrant out for him too, but don't quote me on that. What was originally um, defending had something to do with yes, like, it was, um, there okay. was some Jewish woman actually there in white Montana. Montana. What yeah. the fuck was a Jewish woman doing? In <laughs> I don't Montana know. I don't know, but she had spoken right. out against Spencer and England wrote an article basically saying, well, uh, encouraging arguably people encouraging to harass. harassment yes okay. <laughs> and um you know some uh jewish interest zionist interest however you want to put it uh, got together and filed this huge lawsuit with a bunch of high-powered lawyers uh he lost and basically he can never come back to the united states Did now Spencer ever defend anglin on this uh, as far as i know he did not, but I, again, maybe he did. Again, that's, that's why I'm asking questions. Cause I mean, that, that, yeah. that seems like the most likely, maybe that's at the root of it. I, you know, cause he has to live wherever the hell he's living now and can't come back. You know, I don't know, not a mind reader, but like calling everyone feds, that's been poisoned from the fucking start. Like, and I think if you're going to call someone a fed, put up or shut up. Cause it's, it's poison. That to me seems like a federal, like, like I said, if it's not a finance federal tactic, it's something federal agents enjoy creating this climate of accusations and paranoia that poisons trust where you can't trust fucking anybody. And that's why everybody has to hide behind screen names because they're pussies to begin with.
That's my well, take. and I can't say you know I said some things about Fuentes during the summer and his J six involvement and stuff like that. I can't say I've never uh, dipped into it, but I realized the tactic is poisonous, right? Uh, and long term, it does more harm to all of us. <laughs> uh, and you can't really know if somebody. I mean, to be honest, you can't really know. There are some questions about what he said there and did, uh, but you can't fully know uh, unless. You know, it's outed, right? How are you seeing? I mean, it? it's, it's like projection is the big theme of my writing. When so, it's one of those, you know, you're pointing fingers. There's three ping, fingers pointing back all the time. It's like the whole like you're a fag. No, you're a fag. It's like okay, get cock off your mind, or you're <laughs> gonna start looking like a fag. You know, it's just, it's just undeniable. But there but, you go. By the way, we have a we have a super chat question. If you guys want to send some in, Rumble Rants or PowerChat.com/slash/TheRobertTort, whatever you want to use there, uh, and I'll ask that in a second. But w what is the answer to this? I was kind of trying to go here with Dingo. H how do you even crawl back to where it was uh, in 2016 or, or 2017 before Charlottesville? I'd like to crawl back to before. I mean, but it's impossible because that's the way technology works. Uh, I think. I think if there's a real op, it's herding people together on social media anonymously and, and making them think about nothing but politics. In that video I used, on purpose, I used all this, this wholesome dating video shit from the 50s, you know, com compared to just these militant lesbians now. I could have used, you know, all these squirrely guys with grease back hair and, and suits marching together too, but I decided not to. But everybody's been driven a little fucking nuts and it's humorless and bitter and psychotic and nasty and really not a lot of fun uh, in ways that they never were in, in, in world history before this. I, think, I don't think the human brain is ready for social media, but I don't really see a way out of it. Maybe you can chip away at it just mentioning it. You know, what's the, you know, touch grass, get some ass, some, do something, like pull away from the screen before it just rots everything. That's that's the thing that's like, oh, degeneracy. It's like sitting around staring at glass all day is about as degenerate. I mean, as far as your physical health, your mental health, that's really the worst. But again, that's, yeah, these that, are all all opinions. And you kind of hit it on the head. <laughs> well, first, first I wanted, I wanted to Go shout ahead. out to the black guy who stole Beards and Beardley's ugly, fat lesbian wife. On the note of harmony. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but you did touch on something there. It's it's not as fun as it was back then, too, because yeah. um, if you jump in, you're liable to catch a stray, or you got to be on this click or that click. And if you're in this one, you hate that one. And there's not a lot. And again, I've had my hand in it, too. I can't say that I'm blameless. Um, but it, you can still see it, right? Where it's like, okay, uh, somebody sitting on the sidelines who has a lot to lose, or you know, just a normal person who may uh, be interested in getting involved. They're like, no, I can't, I can't fuck with that. It's not worth it. I might get docked. So some, you know, by, on my own side, right? Uh, somebody might fuck with me or fuck up my life. Uh, and I, I can certainly understand that. Think, I think what kind of would happen was seven or eight years ago, like people just started talk, stopped talking to the left. So it was just, it became an echo chamber, but I've said a long time ago, if the only two people left on earth were identical twins, they'd find a way to split off into crypts and bloods and go for each other's throats. That's maybe what happened to it. Just this echo chamber, but it's, but plus it's all like dick sizing and status seeking and stepping on each other's necks for more clout. And it's just, it's a losing proposition. What I'd like to maybe, the little seed that I'd like to plant in people's heads is think about Jews. Think about blacks. When when do you hear Jews? Because in, in my Rich Snobs, Poor Slobs article that I did a few months ago, there's there's some 
Jew like Orthodox where they got chickens running around. Like I think it's one of the poorest com like communities in the country. Like dirt poor, shit poor Orthodox Jews northwest of Manhattan. I think up in Westchester County around Muncie or whatever. But you could have some billionaire pedophile Jewish atheist media mogul. He's like, he's not going to say, you know, that Ford stupid, dumb, chicken chasing Jew bag. Like, he's a Jew. They see, they see tribe there. Same thing. You get a, a black billionaire academic. And they, they don't, you know, unless he's Bill Cosby, they're not talking about crackheads or, you know, get, get your shit together, poor blacks. But with the whites, oh, these poor white trash deserve to be eaten by their, their genetic debris and shit. Again, like, I mean, if you want to be an elitist, fine. But if, the, you know, some poor white trash comes up and, and kills you, don't don't blame them. I mean, I, I think other ethnic groups have a solidarity that whites just don't have. We could, But we can feed beards and beardly to the masses. That's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we could probably stand a little. Time, like talk about somebody who runs his fucking net like a keyboard warrior extraordinaire. Jesus Christ! Oh, poor Baird. Is that the? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, he shows a lot of pity for people, doesn't he? <laughs> that's yeah, the funniest known, thing that ever happened. Yeah, he's yeah. known to have a he's huge known, heart, a lot of empathy. Yeah, yeah, and huge, huge fucking brain too. <laughs> the strategic thinker of the movie. big brain nibber right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brown box, and I'll ask this before we go into your a little bit more into your video. We t we talked we touched on it some already, but I wanted to touch on yeah. it some more. Uh, Brown box says, "Hey Jim, group hug was great. Glad Apple suggested it to me in 2018." And then he said, "How's JB?" I haven't talked to him in a couple of years. All right. he's, um, he's the only podcast co-host I've ever had who's still alive. Wow. The other two have died. <laughs> I've had a few I wish had died. Um. <laughs> one of them killed himself. The other oh, one, uh, the other one, uh, yeah, he blew his fucking head off. And wow. uh, the other one, uh, he he was like dying of cancer the whole time he was on. He was hilarious. He was uh, Lauren. He was a guy, Lauren Partridge, real name, Lauren Ferguson. Went way back with him, but uh, he was just so quick witted. He uh, like I, I was saying, you know, what's, it's a murder of crows. It's a bevy of, you know, what, what's a group of Jews? Just without missing a beat, it's like a nuisance of Jews is a, a group of, that was his name, like perfect. But he kind of had, like, I brought him on to kind of squeeze off the other podcast co-host because uh, the other guy was just, he was dead air. I mean, he had nothing to do all week and I'd read the news. He'd already read it and, you know, I'd read a news story and I'd pause and go, what do you think, Keith? He'd go, huh. I'm like, huh? Like, you should say, and so I brought Lauren on, and Lauren's like, yeah, uh, Jim sent me this, this guy, Keith. Like, what do you think of him? I said, well, he's great if you like uh, oatmeal. You know, he's, and, but, and Keith got, he made a cancer, a, a failed cancer joke at Lauren, and then, geez, what else happened with Keith? Keith uh, felt humiliated. He quit the show. He did a, he did his own podcast accusing me of being a tyrannical psycho. I've never asked, I never asked Keith to do anything but be funny, which he was incapable of. He started spreading rumors around town that me and his ex-wife were plotting to kill him. What? So, yeah, I mean, not cool, especially when you're me with like a, you know, felony record and shit. But uh, just because I'm the guy I am, I started fucking his wife. <laughs> you know? And uh, she, well, she revealed... She revealed to, well. She revealed to me that like he, Keith had postured as you know, he somebody who was like pretty much homeless. He came from a broken family, raised by a single mom who killed herself, and he made a big killing in the financial industry and retired in his early forties. And 
And I'm like, well, that's good. You know, it's the only really you're boring and, you know, you don't really have much, but I admire that. But she, she revealed that was all a lie. So uh, Keith, Keith never talked. It was a wife of 22 years. They'd been divorced, but he never talked to her again after he revealed, she revealed that he was basically a rich kid poser posing for. And uh, I guess he hooked up with some other girl who dumped him and he, he blew his head off in a, in a closet. Yeah. Damn. That's kind of a. But last last I'm aware, JB was uh, he was a horse wrangler, a cattle wrangler, and uh, he used to be a biker. Now he's a cowboy. I'm not sure like when he'll do the rest of the village people, but that's that's okay. <laughs> all right. Now let me ask you about your your video on the uh, well again the division of the sexes. Well, I, I guess how did you take note of this? And I said this earlier. Um, <laughs> That wasn't really a thought when I was growing up. I don't know if, if everybody was raised like this, but I, you know, I had friends who were from all different, you know, political stripes and got good friends, right? I didn't have to agree with them politically. Same for women. Like, I wouldn't care. Like, we could argue or we could have a debate, quote unquote, or disagree on the issues, but it was about the person, not about their political beliefs. And now it seems it's pretty common to be the other way around. That triggers again because you know you'll have to like talk slowly to me because I have brain damage. Because I had, I mean, I'm not sure if Anglin has a brain tumor. I had a fucking brain tumor. I have this giant scar on the side of my head. I have a steel plate in here. But uh, see, I even forgot what the hell I was talking about. Okay, back yeah, back in the day, of uh, politics was not a huge thing at all. And, and I remember with Vice Magazine, Vice Magazine started. It was founded by three guys in in Canada. Gavin McInnes was one of them. This ex-Pakistani heroin addict, Saroosh Alvi, was another one. And Shane Smith was like the marketing guy. But Gavin and Saroosh loved my magazine, Answer Me. They started Vice. And I always knew because I'm bad at people skills and marketing and all that shit. Somebody would take what I did and make. And Vice became like a billion-dollar empire. But at, at one point after I quit a por writing for a porno magazine in the early 2000s, I needed a job. I contacted Vice. Gavin hired me as a writer. The other people squeezed me out. Um, but I remembered like they squeezed Gavin out too. And they started calling, they started using the word asshole a lot. But, you know, to me, an asshole is like somebody you go, you're at the restaurant and you go to take a pee and they eat your French fries. Or it's just somebody who betrays you. Step. But I noticed Vice... And I think they it's obvious they sold out to corporate woke overlords, but they started calling a person an asshole if they just had what were perceived as right wing politics, like in the tiniest shred of asshole. And I noticed this gradually, like if you disagreed with somebody, you were a bad, you were evil. That I never saw throughout my life until this point. I'm starting to suspect with no evidence that this has just all been orchestrated. I mean, I, the people who are in power aren't there by being dumb. And I, I, and there's, I mean, there's people don't have a future. People are, you know, feel hopeless, but they've been corralled in just these rage pits where they're screaming, you know, no, you're the bad, you're the bad guy. It's like, and does anybody like have any, I mean, the only fun people have is, is like statistically enjoying the downfall of other people. And that's, I, you know, I, I wish the world wasn't that sick. Uh, but yeah, things got like you were considered when I was a kid, you were considered a fucking nerd. If you even thought about politics for more than like one week before the presidential election. And that was it. 
Yeah, it's definitely not like that now. Uh, and you see, the media kind of encourages it for whatever reason, uh, you know. But uh, you know, you see those articles. You you cited some, and you know they act like it's normal, right? Or, uh, and part of my what I've felt in my gut is maybe this is kind of what organically happens when a whole mass, you know, the the multi million sense that a collapse is coming. So it's like they click up. It's like, well, we got left and right. I'm going to join this gang and hopefully my side wins and we survive and the other ones burn in the ashes and everything. But maybe that's part of it. But I think part of it is it's orchestrated. I mean, as government and, you know, whoever's the financiers are pulling the government strings, they've never had more access to just fucking manipulating, controlling public opinion and, and diverting people. I mean, one of the... This, this, I mean, like, if I'm not getting enough hate as it is, but one thing that, that like really struck me as weird, because I remember 20 years ago, and this is a word that's like poison across the political spectrum now libertarianism. Back then, it was like, oh, it's, you know, who don't, you know, I don't want the government taking half of my money just and, you know, for and doing shit with it that I would never approve of and making me a pauper and threatening to send me to jail, you know, over shit that I never really voted for. But I noticed there was one point around 2010 where, like, uh, libertarianism across left and right, you know, they're libertarians, they're idiots, they're, they're evil. Like, the left was calling them, like, Hitler, and the right was just calling them stupid because, you know, they want to open borders and all that shit, which, which is fine. But maybe people have been brainwashed, and that's the thing. People don't like to, be, to admit they've been played. They've been brainwashed into just supporting fucking super government power, you know, left or right. And nothing else. That again, this, this is all. I, I have to qualify this. These are all hunches, like gut instincts. I have no evidence. Just like when people accuse people being feds, I don't have any evidence. But as somebody who like stands on the fringes and that it doesn't get like in the mosh pit, there seems like it might be what's happening. I don't know. All right, now let me ask you about. Israel, Gaza. <laughs> now you came on right before, I guess, maybe a couple of weeks before that broke out yeah. uh, last time. Of course, that's been, I guess, the top story for two or three months now. Uh, what are your thoughts on what's going on over there? I did a, I did a video and an article called Israel's Nuclear Holocaust. Because one thing that's like, it's hard to surprise me at this point, but it's kind of amazing that you've had, you had gold in my ear back in the 70s admitting that Israel has nuclear bombs. Uh, a, a couple, I mean, like it, back when it was being developed, there were high rank, I think Moshe Dayan, don't quote me on this, have admitted, but like that's against international fucking law. But they have like 400 of them estimated. Yeah. And they're so fucking touchy. Have you heard about the Samson option? Uh, that's where they just kill everybody in the Middle East with nuclear Right. In, right? in yeah. Bible, I think it's the book of Judges. I'm not sure. But Samson was a Hebrew Israel. I'm not sure what the proper term, I guess, Hebrew judge. And they, the Babylonians maybe captured him and they chained him to the, you know, pillars of some temple. And he said, you know, if, I'm, I don't think in the Bible he said, fuck this. But his attitude was, if I have to go, I'm bringing everybody down with me. He pulled on the pillars Killed all the what you know the Judeans or the Chaldeans, whatever the fuck they were, and that's and it's been called the Samson option. It's like, well, if you're going to touch Israel, we're going to bring the whole goddamn world down with us. 
And imagine the, you know, and I'm not sure if Israel fired off its 400 nukes. I don't know enough about nuclear power. I mean, Russia, I think, has the most nukes, but yeah, yeah. would it set off like, is it like a doomsday machine, like in Doctor Strange Love, where the whole world would go up? And if we're, if that's going to happen just because Jews are touchy, what can I say? I mean, I think that's fucking, that's terrifying. And we're probably and- fucked. <laughs> <laughs> they're probably really like because they can't st- like any like you criticize anything and it's hatred and you need to have your mouth sewn shut that's all obvious i mean i don't and but the thing is too like i'm sure you know i'm, I'm not sure what am i what's the muslim term kafir to the palestinians yeah because it's one of these things well you have to pick a side it's like i'm picking my side like if it you know if israel cleanses them they're not going to go to egypt they're going to come here and start raping people <laughs> you know and uh like i don't i don't pick a side on this it was the same thing with uh russia and ukraine the big outcome to that my my guts tell me is that the u.s dollar is going to finally lose its you know world reserve currency status and it's going to be much more fucked to be an american than it was before any of it i guess one thing i try to you know, it's not just two sides if people are pre- presenting you with a simple binary like that then it's a false. It's a false dichotomy. It's a false dilemma. Now, how it's you, real. Like I hear the okay. question I keep keep asking is, "What sure. the fuck? They're our greatest ally. Why? We're their greatest ally. What the fuck do we get from them?" And it's not just, "Oh, well, it's whatever the you know eight billion dollars a year in U.S." It's like, no, we fight trillion dollar wars for them. Clearly, they're bitches. And is that anti-Semitic or is it just like pro-truth? Like it, what is it, who was it? It was uh, they kept saying it was Voltaire who said to learn who rules over you. Just ask who you're not allowed to criticize. But it was it was actually Kevin Alfred Strom, who's some kind of squirrely West Virginia. I think he's in West Virginia, like former National Alliance guy or something. But it's it's a valid point. Like if you're allowed to criticize white people all day and all night, clearly white people aren't in charge. Just the same. Like if Trump was Hitler, you couldn't get away with saying Trump was Hitler. Hitler wouldn't let you get it. Hitler wouldn't let you get away with saying Hitler was Trump. So, you know, I was going to ask you about how the the media has portrayed this, and you've seen a lot of. They had the uh, presidents from several college universities actually testifying in Congress today about anti quote unquote anti semitism on campus. Uh, there's a lot of why haven't you disavowed Hamas? You see that all the time. We saw some liberal house member PayPal or whatever the fuck her name is earlier. Why haven't you disavowed Hamas raping? And she's like, well, I did disavow Hamas. Wait, well, did you specifically talk about the raping? And, um, how do you think how the, how, what do you think of how the media has handled this? It's just the way they handled Charlottesville, the media clear. I'm, this is why, I mean, one of the things I keep going back to, like, again, cause I'm senile and I only have a few stories. I've been to prison. I also went to journalism school. And back then, the way they taught it was it was like a science. You don't say what anybody thinks. You, you don't say anything you can't prove. You don't state anything as fact. You pin it on someone else, according to, and make them look like the idiot when they turn out to be wrong. But back then, they definitely wouldn't have, would have said, you, you can't call anything racist. You can't, disav- like, especially a media person, dis- I stand before God and man and disavow. Fuck. You, you, tr- you treat it like it's, it's just evidence. Well, even, I was going to say a courtroom, but now like that's, I was talking to, I'm not sure if you're familiar with lawyer, Sam Dixon in Atlanta. Yeah, he, he's the guy who spoke at the end of every, uh, 
American Renaissance Conference. And he said the only two crimes left in the American judicial system are racism and anti-Semitism. You can get away with just about anything except being a racist or an anti-Semite. But who can't, like, why? So what if you don't like Jews? Jews, I mean, the, the entire ideal, ideology is based on hating non-Jews. Like, what's good for the goose is good for the, the goyim or whatever. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just so fucking insane. Like, how has it gotten to this moral fever pitch where you have to bite your tongue? I mean, McCarthyism is nothing compared to the shit that's going on now. Well, I mean, I, you'd, like to, you'd like to not think about Jews for a while. But I, I think there is a touchiness and a hypersensitivity that like goes beyond any other group I've seen. Like, even women. And that's saying a lot. Yeah, uh, and, <laughs> but you saw Elon Musk, even the richest man in the world, literally, you know, made a tweet. He's like, yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, basically he, not that they're kind of said they're getting what they're deserved, I guess was what the tweet said. Um, not about Hamas, but um, about how they had flooded, allegedly flooded Western nations. And now they're catching some backlash from the people they had encouraged to be let into these Western nations. And they're all anti-Israel or most of them are. And that this was their idea basically. And they promoted it. And now they're reaping the rewards from that promotion. And he agreed with that statement. And there's, I don't know, 50 to 100 advertisers backed out of Twitter. He went over to Israel and just a shameful display, actually, licking the boots of Netanyahu. Uh, yeah, but it's, now, it's maybe hard he had to, to do it, but yeah, go ahead. But then he said, you know, fuck the advertisers he did. or something. He did. It's hard yeah. to tell what kind of long con he's playing. You it's know? true. It's, it's, I but can't just get a the, good read on him either. Yeah, go ahead. But just the the abject, you're talking like boot licking and, you know, licking the, the wailing wall and all this shit. Like if a Martian landed, they'd be saying, "What? What are these faggots doing? Like this is insane." Like, like somebody who had no skin in the game and didn't have to, you know, preserve some kind of social identity. That's something I think I'm finally realizing in my old age. Is like, and maybe it's just pure autism on my part. Most people really don't mean what they say. Most people, it's all about social status and getting ahead and and making money and not, you know, they, they would rather. They'd rather betray themselves than have a than look bad to other people. That does not compute with me at all. I would find that exhausting, as exhausting as I find it to like deal with people who are full of shit all the time. Having to do that song and dance and wear that mask all the time, I, I couldn't do it. But more and more, I realize, yeah, people, you can't. Most people are like a fucking spiteful girlfriend who gets pissed off at you. When you took her at her word instead of figured out what she actually really meant. It's like, like who, who needs it? All right. We have a super chat question. I saw come in uh, on, on cash. App. It's actually from Dingo and I have some more regular questions too. Uh, said, Jim, what do you think of boiled peanuts? And then he said, also, I'm a big fan and you're spitting pure facts. Thanks for sharing tonight. <laughs> Where's uh, where's Dingo? He's, he's from the South where I'm currently. Yeah, uh, Louisiana area. Yeah. Louisiana. Okay. Uh, I tell you, I first moved down here, and my second wife, who's from Georgia, but uh, it's weird. Her sister, who's four years older than her, has a deep Southern accent. But my second wife, mother, my son, she only had it in a couple things. You wouldn't tell that she had a Southern accent, but she's like, "You want to try some bald peanuts?" I'm like, <laughs> "Hairless peanuts? Well, you know, let's get the all change and like the oi." She would say all, and I, I was enough of an idiot Yankee that I just ate them. 
I didn't realize you were supposed to kind of just mush down on them and suck the juices out and spit them out. So I wound up with like diarrhea and stuff. But uh, they're okay. It's just kind of, I'd rather have a regular a non, Yeah, a regular, wholesome, non-boiled peanut. Yeah, That's me too. The and South's I'm, the only place you can get them. Yeah. Well, I'm from the South, Memphis uh, area, and born in Memphis, lived in West Memphis across the bridge. Oh, and, man. Yeah. It's like the scariest city. Like, Memphis is the scariest fucking city. <laughs> you ain't lying. Uh, yeah. yeah. You keep your head on a swivel uh, around there. Uh, I have some stories. But it's funny. I lived in Memphis for 20 years, and I never got held up at gunpoint until I moved to Richmond. But Richmond's almost as bad as Memphis. Uh, uh, but, yeah, that type of shit happens. But boiled peanuts are not really a thing in that region of the South. But when I moved to South Carolina, I lived in uh, Greenville Spartanburg area for like, I don't know, six to eight years, something like that. And, um, they're huge there. You mentioned Georgia, that whole area. Yeah. They're huge. Now Memphis, they, I never heard of boiled peanuts until I went to South Carolina. Maybe they are somewhere in Memphis, but I, I never really heard of them uh, until I moved. And I, I wasn't really a fan. Uh, honestly, maybe it's an acquired taste. So I'm not sure, but so you can get them with Cajun spices. I guess it's it's okay, but uh, yeah, I'd rather have the regular. And and again, like I said, I probably wrecked my colon just swall <laughs> swallowing the fucking boiled peanuts. All right, now we talked about Charlottesville earlier, and that was already on my uh, list of questions here. Uh, what do you think, Charlottesville? And we kind of touched on this anyway, but it leads into my next question about Charlottesville. What what was the lasting impact of Charlottesville on the right? Maybe expound upon it a little bit if you felt like. Well, you I, I, I did mention in that video yeah. in the article it was based on like the, that's the most ironically titled rally, like "Unite the Right," because that just blew it to fucking pieces. And because uh, even I remember. 2016 to some degree like you had Cernovich you know I think talking to Richard Spencer or Milo talking to Richard Spencer and it was not all this catty self-destructive punching right like constantly uh Charlottesville I, and I was kind of you know I was behind the curve with some of the shit I didn't realize there was an optics war brewing or that some people seized on the shit actually what I first noticed was like five minutes after Trump got elected then there was the alt-right, alt-light split. And the Cernoviches and Molyneux, and they were they were disavowing the racists. I'm like, well, that's all of a sudden. That wasn't really happening in 2015. There was kind of a united front. Like, we kept our eyes on the, you know, the trannies and the militant homos and the BL. I think Black Lives Matter was a thing back then, right, Ferguson? Yeah, 2014. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a thing back then. Completely lost sight of that. I mean, might mention those people in passing, but... It's just this carping and this fighting. And and like I said, some of it's probably for status. You know, there's only so many crumbs you can eat. Only, you know, it's not a big pie to take slices from. Uh, it's hard not to think that's uh, so some of it was a result of just there's a, you know, there's a Gaza wall between the left and right now. We don't even talk to them. But part of it, I think, has to have been fed orchestrated. There's there's no I'm, and again, it's just speculation, just a hunch. And I'll just repeat, if it wasn't Fed orchestrated, they're sitting back twiddling their thumbs, enjoying it. Well, there's almost no doubt. I mean, we know for a fact there were Feds involved in January 6th uh, out in the crowd. I mean, I would be shocked and amazed yeah, if the same anything, thing was Anything political. Yeah. Anything political that has some kind of juice and is, you know, f kind of on the fringes. Sure, of course. I mean, what, like, the CIA, like, they don't even reveal their budget. They're not rescuing kitty cats from trees. And I think it was, you know... 
A guy I would have voted for president if I was old enough in the mid seventies. You ever hear Frank Church, the Church Committee? Yeah. He, yeah, he was a, a Democrat Idaho senator, and he investigated, and he he found out they concluded like the CIA had infiltrated or FBI. I'm not. I could be wrong here. Like again, just off the top of my head, they had infiltrated like 700 major TV stations, periodicals newspapers. Uh, and he said, he warned that the NSA, the National Security Administration, if it's allowed to get any stronger, it'll be like, a we'll cross a bridge over no return, of no return. Like, it, it's, that's it for freedom. We'll be completely under surveillance. So to think that, because I, I got into a little tip with somebody on one of these tiny micro chats that I'm on, because like, well, the right's into too many conspiracy theories, and it's a fact that it's a problem with, I'm like, well, what do you mean by conspiracy theory? Because, like, first off, I think that's a bad term anyway, because a theory is something that's been proven. So it's just a conspiracy. There have been conspiracies all over the place. But, you know, this guy was talking about, you know, Jewish footprints on Mars or something. Yeah, that's that's nuts. But uh, if you don't think the government and big finance conspire to hold on to power, you have no understanding of how history works, because there's going to be somebody more ruthless to come along and slice their throats and conspired just there are conspiracies so yeah the, i mean all of this shit is infiltrated by the feds but the thing that people miss like i said earlier and i might have been high when i was 17 or 18 high on weed think about this like the problem's never what you think it is maybe the problem maybe the whole fed op is people calling each other feds well, like I said, it, it just de depreciates turnout, quote unquote, and, uh, and trust. Just I mean, yeah, it, yeah. yeah, like paranoia and and why everyone is not like that. I mean, I guess we did prank calls and you know shit like that when I was a kid. But what it's it's such a weird world to me where everybody's Publius Maximus three thousand. You know, it's like nobody's who they are. And I understand because that's the climate that's been created under this insane shit, the surveillance state. But do you expect anything to get better if everyone hides? Like, I don't I don't see how that's going to happen. I'd like to live in a world, again, where it's like, you know who, because you and I talked about this, like when we had the chat before going on the last time. As people who've done time, you got your face, you got your number, you got to back up everything you say. And when you're Publius Maximus 3000, I hate that I keep, that's the only one that keeps, and there's a guy I know, and really nice guy, Gaddius Maximus. I'm not trying to call him out. It's, it just occurs to my, like, that's it's like one of these typical Latin hero, but futuristic, you know, outcast Andre 3000 names. We're like, you, you don't know who's, who's attacked, who's calling you a fed. It's like, or calling you a coward or criticizing you. And it's, it's, there's something so intensely dishonorable and cowardly about it. And I know, and he's such a, I've, I've hated Jordan Peterson from the fucking start. But then what he talked dark triad and all that. I mean, I think psychology is a sham, but I think it's hard to deny that being anonymous does bring out really shitty behavior in people. Yeah, of course I have to defend the, the right to anonymity, but yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to disagree uh, with that. Um, also, I'll say you don't have the right to anonymity that's where i draw the line like you you can stay anonymous if you can stay anonymous anonymous but you know there's a lot of people who do this for a living or they write for a living uh, or they're part of the online culture and they think that they're owed anonymity uh and that's not the case at all if you come out and speak and try to influence the public dialogue 
Well, the, the the argument that keeps getting thrown at me is, you know, it's again, I understand it's a surveillance state and they've got tabs on everybody, but they, they keep going back to, well, the founding fathers used pseudonyms. And it's like, yeah, they didn't say your wife has herpes. That's that's 99% of what people say, and not, you know, anonymously. They're not sharing nuclear secrets or really important shit that actually could change the world. Maybe, you know, maybe it depends on whose wife has herpes. Maybe it could change the world. But for the most part, it's, it's just to be a, a little punk. Could change somebody's world. Uh, all right. Uh, the other question about Charlottesville. Can you please explain the importance of the Robert E. Lee monument in Charlottesville, the desperate years-long push to destroy it, and how they ended up immortalizing it? They melted it down recently. I don't know if you saw that. I mean, the little I know, I mean, and again, this is the one thing that they did train me way, way back in the mid-'80s when Ronald Reagan was president when I went to Temple University for journalism. You, you make it clear, I wasn't. I'm not that old. I wasn't alive when Robert E. Lee was alive. The story that's been told to me that could be entirely fictitious is Abraham Lincoln asked him to lead the Union Army in war against the South. And this may or may not have happened, but Robert E. Lee said, got on his horse and said, I'm an American, but I'm a Virginian first. And he galloped across the Potomac and led and and from that happened, I think. Yeah. 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 But I mean, how do you know? Like everything well, could be a fucking lie, right? But, I uh, was raised on that story, though, being a Southerner, and my daddy was like, you know, Robert E. Lee stayed over country. And, you know. Yeah, yeah, and uh, from most accounts of her, I never heard that he was a bastard or, a, you know, a dick or that he said anyone's wife had herpes or anything and, you know, that he he surrendered honorably. But it's one of these things. I remember it was, it was in an American Renaissance book I read a long time ago. There was, I think it's Exodus, might be 34, 13, but don't quote me on that. It's about, you, you still, and it's when the, you know, the God of Israel is telling the Hebrews, it's the, the, the Amaleks. It's one of these groups that God wanted the Hebrews to wipe out and commit genocide against, smash their altars, you know, tear down their Asherah poles, destroy their sacred objects. That's that's biblical. That's Old Testament Jewish shit. Like get everything that was sacred to them and smash it to the fucking ground. And that's I mean, you could we could go on all night about like did, did Lincoln give a fuck about blacks? Look up the quotes. Look look up the Lincoln Douglas debates. What's one of the Negro equality? Fudge. How long shall men you know fools like spread this lie? It's ridiculous. And and uh, again wasn't there, but apparently in 1863 in the middle of the Civil War. He wrote a letter to Horace Greeley said, saying, almost, I can almost remember this one word for word, my paramount objective in this is not to like, free the slaves, it's to preserve the Union. If I could do that without freeing a single slave, I would do it. Now, yeah. they, they'll also cite that in the, you know, the secession articles, they said it was preserved slavery, but another, and one thing I noticed too, like with the shift away from libertarianism, and not, not that I'm a libertarian, I'm just saying it's, it's fascinating to me that like, it became demonized across the board. No one fucking talks about economics anymore. It's all culture. It's all either you're a racist or you're a degenerate. That's it. While the economy is getting ready to crash like it's never crashed before. But from what I'm aware of around the time of the Civil War, I remember reading once that the federal government around the eve of the Civil War got three quarters of its revenue from the south and that's there's a latin phrase uh, qui bono who benefits that's a really good way to understand history is like what, what's you know follow the money 
they didn't want to let go of them. They had a ton of money from from the South. And again, you know, one of the, oh, you know, our nation was built on the wealth and power of slavery. Then why did the South lose? Like, they, were, they, they were at number three to one, and the North was an industrial powerhouse. And part of that, you know, okay, slaves picked cotton. Wow, well, you know, does cotton grow in Africa? They can build an empire then if they just get some, some coons down in Zimbabwe picking cotton and you're on your road to riches. But, you know, they had uh, five-year-old white kids in New England working 18-hour days in factories up there. That's that's one thing that's fascinating to me too. Like with the culture war, economic, and and when people are getting fucked over, you know, what's it, like eighteen dollars for a happy meal at this point? You might hear that every once in a while, but it's it's back to faggot, racist, faggot, racist, and that's all they ever talk about. Now, uh, let's see here. I'm looking through my uh list of questions okay i could mix it up a little bit we talked about it. i'll go back to a couple of questions i have one particular question about uh, israel that i'll hit uh, later before we go but uh have you seen what's going on in ireland yeah i gotta tell you like it's weird because where i grew up clifton heights pennsylvania westbrook park is the you know the little neighborhood in clifton heights pennsylvania uh i think to this day it it's the only it's the place outside of Italy where there's more Italian spoken at home than anywhere else in the world. Like 28% of the households in Westbrook Park speak Italian at home. There were two races, Irish and Italian. I'm clearly not Italian. Mm -hmm. I was raised with this idea that I was Irish, but the name Goat is English. My uh, mom's surname was Parker. Her mom's surname was Scott. Scott, Scott's Scottish. There's two English surnames. And then my dad's mom was Ducharme, which is French, which I hate myself for, but the genetic tests hmm. don't show any, show any French. But I mean, if I'm not Irish, I learned how to have that fucking at that crass, hard knuckled attitude. And to see them like rise like that was, was great. And even though I wanted to lose, you know, the, one of the guys who has uh, one of the heavyweight belts is Tyson Fury. I think he, he was raised in, in England, but he's an Irish gypsy. And he's got the fucking attitude. And I remember, you know, going back to Richard Spencer, it was when Conor McGregor was fighting like 2015, 2016, because that, that's another problem with this online dissident shit is the endless, they pure, purity spiral themselves to death. But Spencer wrote something like, if Conor McGregor wins tonight, he gets to be Irish for one day. Because a lot of these people don't consider Irish to be white, or, or they consider them like the genetic dregs of, you know, of Europe. And... Maybe, you know, maybe like in an E. Michael Jones fantasy world where there's still, you know, national borders and that we're not becoming a global environment. Maybe these there are distinct identities, but the Irish are white and they'll be some of your best fighters if shit really goes down. So it was it was inspiring. But I think they that shit's all, you know, it's already been snuffed out and uh, they're going after uh, hate, right. hate, hate speech yeah. for for uh, Irish Lives Matter graffiti insane and insane. going after mcgregor himself uh yeah and yeah. Uh, i've seen a lot of that too and it's funny you mentioned e michael jones uh <laughs> because that was the next question what are your thoughts on uh dr e michael jones he's been on the show uh many yeah. times including a couple did, he, did he yell at, did he yell at you he has he hasn't flat out yelled at me but he he can get a, i love him i'm not he's, saying he's anything an bad about him, but he can get a little 
Henri, yeah, that's that's a good. He's word. an ornery guy. I mean, yeah. like really crabby, and it's funny he never gets accused of being a fucking boomer. But uh, I mean, maybe he's maybe he's silent generation. I don't know. He's supposed to be like a hundred or whatever. But uh, the thing I keep bringing up, I mean, and, and maybe he believes what he believes. But like I said, sometimes people aren't you know willing or aware that they might be being used as tools by the power that be. But I think the the big issue now is being white. And E. Michael Jones doesn't think that exists. He says it's a category of the mind, but he thinks that being Catholic is something you can fucking prove. Okay, EMJ, let's go dig up some skulls from Ireland and test if they were Catholic or not. Oh, wait, you can't. But you can test if they have DNA from the British Isles. Race is the real thing. And the kill shot I had, I interviewed him. <laughs> I interviewed, I debated him on a, on a show like five years ago, hosted by Richard Spencer. Really? Yeah, and uh, we're both from Philly, and um, he oh, yeah, started right. yelling. He's he started yelling at me, and I'm like, <laughs> "Fuck! Like I'm supposed to be the hothead, man. Don't yell at me." But uh, he he brought something up about uh, he he had a friend who was an Irish Catholic who got killed in North Philly, and North Philly is just a bad, bad black like nothing in New York compares to it. Nothing in Atlanta compares. It's a terrifyingly bad, long, expansive wasteland. But even the, the worst neighborhoods in Philly are uh, the Puerto Rican ones for some reason. But now the worst one is uh, Kensington because it's like an interracial. It used to be all white and, and Irish, but uh, it's like a Fenton. It's, yeah, I'm sure you've seen those YouTube videos where everyone's nodding out on Trank, like horse tranquilizing. Oh, yeah, I them. heard about the new. Yeah, Trank their, is the new one. Yeah, yeah. Their bones are exposed and all that shit. But uh, he said that he had a friend who was an Irish Catholic who got murdered in North Philly. And I said, I bet you it wasn't for being Irish or Catholic. Like it's something that you had to have done time to realize it's like, they don't care if you're Catholic. They don't have, they don't, when they're going up to stab you in the throat, it's not for being Catholic. It's not for being Irish. It's because you're white and your skin is a gang tattoo. Just that's my, that's my take on it. Well, I saw him catching some heat, and we haven't got a chance to talk to him since then, but I saw him catching some heat for his comments on Twitter, which were right during the, like, heat of the Irish thing. And, you know, most of the white activists on Twitter or even people who lean that way were like, yeah, wow, they're standing up. And then Michael Jones is like, well, you know, <laughs> they're being tricked, and they're not really white, and they never were considered white, and white's not really a thing anyway. And These are errors of categorization, because yeah, it's, it's proximity. Like I said, if you had two people, identical twins left they'd find a way to divide but uh, and again the time i've only when i've said the only time the human race will actually have meaning is when martians invade then okay then we're all on this side of the then we're against the martians but in a global society all it takes is eyeballs to tell you know what your continental ancestry is for the most part unless there was i don't know if you saw the kid who got like cold cocked he was going up to some idiot rapper named nardo wick there's a white kid to get an uh an autograph and one of his entourage just like clocked him cold and uh he was like frozen in space and then another one just knocked him to the ground smashed his head on the ground this happened in tampa last week and his mom looks like she looks like a bird like a, a malnourished bird but his friend that was with him that guy is like the pure mulatto. If you did a genetic test on him, he has every race. So I, I couldn't tell you what he is, but still for the most part, until there's so much interbreeding, we're, we're all kind of brown sugar oatmeal, if that ever comes to pass. But like, you can tell who's white and who's not. 
And we're living in a country now where everyone, white or not, has been trained to blame white people for everything. So if the economy collapses and there's food riots, and even more scary than food riots are pill riots, because everyone's on some kind of pills, white people are going to get a lot of I mean, it's going to be like the summer of Floyd all over again. And it's just, I mean, endless. But the media, there was something that happened. I'm sure you haven't heard of this. It was in Beach Grove, Indiana, outside of Indianapolis. It's last week. There's only one link I found where somebody, you know, Demetrius Jarquavius, whatever, <laughs> he was he was a KFC worker. They didn't identify anybody else by race, but he he got fired and he came back with a gun and said, shoot all the white people. And he shot a, a co-worker in the head, and the co-worker survives because he was a black sh- black shooter. <laughs> like Steve Saylor's love of you know black marksmanship. But the only one who was identifiably white was some pimply, long-haired, 17-year-old white kid who, uh, he came to the aid. He saved the racially unidentified person who got shot in the head, and he got fired. And then his white mom with bad eyebrows came in, and like she was told to leave the premises because she's trespassing. But it, there is, like, to deny that there's systemic, this is one of those liberal words, systemic, institutional defamation against white people you got to be out of your fucking mind that was somebody i mean we're going to bring up a jew here michael malice i knew him for a while he was very friendly for me i you know i realized he was just using me for material for a book he was writing called the new right he did a chapter on me did a chapter on gavin but it was toward the end of 2018 we were always friendly we went out to dinner a couple times but uh he had me on a show that was on the compound media on the kumia network and my book, The Whiteness, The Original Sin, came out, and he was arguing with me the whole time, saying there's no media bias against white people. And then he, the last thing he asked me was, do you think Hitler gets an unfair treatment in the press? I'm like, of course he does. But he didn't even like that. He's like, okay, that's it for tonight's show. It's like, come on. Like, you're not a dumb guy, little Michael Malice. He's, he is little, though. But, like, it's just the way that works. Whoever loses a war is the bad guy. And it's not, you're not going to hear his side ever. But, you know, so that was just maybe that was one of his, you know, high verbal IQ <laughs> Talmudic tricks or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, it's I, that's something, you know, and I live in Atlanta, hopefully not for much longer. But uh, and Philly, I mean, Philly's got the most fucking vicious, nasty, white hating negroidals I've ever seen. But uh, and especially, I mean, what what everybody's been been institutionalized with it didn't used to be this way i mean there was a point in the 70s and 80s where it was kind of a joke you know that they, they still could make fun of black people I and mean, I, I like the 50s and 60s when they were they weren't even called black they were negroes they negroes like they were obedient and well-dressed and polite that's why i love watching old black and white movies because they're, they're always like the bellhop or the you know the he's punching the tickets on the train and stuff I, I want to bring back Negroes. If we they have to have black people, that back in the day too. The, you know, all it means is it's just a, you know, it just means yeah, colored. That's literally like NAACP, that. right? Like, uh, yeah, it's for, for colored people. I like that because like all the dolls come down the assembly line white, and then some get some coloring added. It's like Easter eggs or something. But uh, <laughs> I would let's bring you know if we need to have blacks, let's bring back negroes you know what it's funny because i live in mexico and you know 99.9 percent of people are super nice here in the yucatan uh and i love it here and they're really nice people just would not understand how nice they are and i was talking to uh 
Mexican friend of mine, I'll say. And uh, she said, well, it's because you're white. <laughs> And they want to impress you because you're white uh, yeah. and they think they're going to get more money out of you or they just want to show off to you because you're white. Uh, but one thing um, you never forget is that you're white <laughs> walking around because uh, and I was talking to her. She said, well, yeah, for one, your eyes are blue. Uh, and in northern Mexico, there's a few people with blue eyes. But where I'm at in Mexico, there's nobody with blue eyes except for white people walking around and there aren't many white people walking around. And when I walk into a store, there's almost never another white person. There's almost never like, and I stick, you feel it. You feel it when you're walking around somewhere like that. Right. Uh, and you know, you know, I never get out of my lane. I never, I'm always very respectful, very polite, uh, because you know, you're in alien territory, even though they're very nice, uh, and have no complaints. But you f you feel it. It's it's on you. I'll tell you, around. like Hispanic hatred of blacks is something to behold. Because you know, true. in my comings and goings, I've consorted with some Hispanic women. They don't. Like and you blacks. you even bring up blacks. You ever see oatmeal start to boil? Yeah. Like their face starts burbling, like just hate, like hatred that I've never heard from any of these white supremacists. It's true. And I was I was doing like it was the guy who stabbed Chauvin. He had some kind of like Slovenian name, but he was an alleged member of the yeah, Mexican so mafia and alleged FBI informant. But apparently, the Mexican mafia had a hit out on all blacks in Southern California. And I can't. <laughs> I, I still haven't like been able to figure out uh, find this. It was by Sheriff Lee Baca, B A C A. He was the sheriff of L A County. LA, he was yeah. he was Hispanic. He did an article, an editorial for the L.A. Times saying that there were Mexican gangs and it had nothing to do with gangs, even though the, they would go into black areas and just pick people off and just because they didn't like, you know, whatever. But my, I'm not sure what my that might mean white. They had their own names for blacks. But uh, Compton, I mean, I bought straight out of Compton when it came out. And I thought, you know, they're never going to get rid of the blacks in Compton. No, the Mexican they came did. and just cleansed like. And they, I think the Mexicans pretty much rule California prisons at this point. And uh, there's just not a lot of love lost there. One of the places we were thinking about moving to was New Mexico. Because it's, it's sunny. It's, nice it's, cheap, it's cheap. It's the fifth biggest state. But the entire population is like one-third of the Atlanta metro area. And no blacks. <laughs> no, they haven't... I haven't found it yet. No blacks at all. That would be great, but we'll see. All right, now, before I get into Chauvin, that was already on my list, uh, but Ocean sent this in. Kind of disrespectful, but I'll read it because she paid me money. She said, Jim, how are you 50 and have the background of a 12-year-old on TikTok? Still love what you're saying, but... Mate, what? By the way, I love your background. I was sitting here thinking, wow, I wish my, you know, I just have a green screen and with some bullshit picture behind it. But I actually well, like how it looks. But thoughts on well, how did you set the, that up? I'll take the unintentional compliment. <laughs> I'm almost 63. <laughs> Can't imagine go. what this, what this bitch looks like. But it's just, it's one of these things. It's, uh, it's, I, I kind of studied other people's streams. And they don't like bookcases in the back. They like color and bouncing things. And I mean, the one thing I guess you got to crop out, but it, I just got to put up today. But because uh, I've got one of these super lenses that just focus on the face and blur out everything, it just says balls, and that, that's flashing in the background. It's just something to, you know, yeah, to just to, a 
Panelize the yeah, look keep the keep you watching it instead of just you know doing dishes and listening to it instead. That's right. Now, Shelvin, it's funny because a lot of these topics are just naturally coming up even uh, before I get to them on the list. Is there anything suspect about Chauvin getting stabbed uh, 22 times uh, by a federal informant, by the way? Uh, Nothing suspicious. <laughs> Nothing Wait, suspicious about that. He was supposed to get out all. in two months is what I read, too. Now, again, I have to double confirm wow. it. But apparently he was about to get out. Now, again, I'd have to have full confirm on that. And they, I saw that. Being thrown. And apparently, like, and again, this is... This, and this is where the journalism train and I it's like I don't call myself a journalist because anyone who does is like a, a hack and it's it's pretentious and faggy to say that but like I, I admire what they taught us just don't say you don't know what happened because they lie all the fucking time but according to what I read Terzak John Terzak the Slovene guy with like you know Slavic heritage who was a member of the Mexican mafia. He said he did it on black Friday yes, I saw that. in honor of BLM or something. Yeah. And maybe he's still pissed off at, even though like he, well, why are you pissed off at the Mexican mafia? You turn informant against them, but I don't, you know, none of nobody makes sense anymore. It's, it's all kind of insane, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, the the miracle. If he was stabbed 22 times, it's like, he's, he's like the white stabber. He's a, well, well how do you not kill somebody if you stab him 22 times? Well, he's like, like, shooter, say, like, he's, earlier, he's like yeah. the Slavic version of a He's clearly black not shooter. Mexican because uh, yeah, they're pretty good they with a blade. <laughs> oh, man, God. I, re I remember, God, in, in county jail in Portland, there was this guy, he was, you know, Valdez, or, but like typical, they kind of got he kind of got a beak and the, the Fu Manchu mustache and every single A, he'd say, how's it going? Hey, yeah, you. You take the knife, eh, and you put uh, yeah, them right here under the armpit, eh, yeah. and you put, let the lungs look like Mexicans know how to stab, but this guy just 22 times and he's still, still so either Chauvin's a badass or this guy's like the worst stabber in history. Maybe a bit of both, but yeah, I right, but I, I saw it 22 times. That's just, you know, usually you're dead uh, if you get stabbed 22 times. That's usually what they say when, oh, they found his body, his corpse, he was stabbed 20, 40 times, whatever. Uh, it doesn't usually take, lived. you know, five. Yeah, right. I mean, if, if you know Why how to stab. Why is he stabbing? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> like in his dick, is it yeah, his thighs? Yeah. Like, when he's stabbing yeah. his arm or something? Like, I don't, I yeah. don't know. Um, now, what was the impact of the 2020, you said the summer of Floyd there, we'll call it the summer of Floyd, uh, on conservative politics, do you think? I mean, one thing that, uh, like, I, I think, like, the trust is completely gone in the society. One thing I don't remember as a kid were, were contested elections, like every, I guess, well, I, it was the, when Kennedy got elected, that was like the year before I was born, but that was kind of contested, and there was vote counting in Chicago, I think Nixon said that they, they kind of cooked the books in Chicago and put Kennedy. So maybe and then the year 2000, there was shit with like the second Bush, but not the shit where the entire other side, like the last two elections will not accept this. That's another sign of a country that's just falling apart. Like, and, and whether it's just organic because we're too diverse, whether we've been hyped into left, right, like Crips bloods, but Trump, like, Dude, you should have, like, fuck what, you know, you were going to get criticism. You should have had machine guns and tanks out in the streets mowing people the fuck down. And you shouldn't have offered the Negro platinum plan rewarding them for this. Trump never once said, hey, white people. Yeah, and I, I, I kept an ear out. You know, for all the shitty though, white supremacists, like, you know, you kind of almost wish. Like, if you're going to have to bear the badge, like, okay, just, just fucking own it. 
The only time he said Al Sharpton hated white people, and then one of these female reporters, or it might have been a male reporter, but you can't tell the difference these days. They said, uh, you know, all these cops killing black people. And he said, and white people too. They kill, you know, white people too. And that was that was it. But uh, he but he addressed blacks and Latinos, and even he didn't have the ball, you know, Jews he addressed, but he never. And it's it's this absurd surrealistic totalitarian dystopian situation where it's a sci-fi movie where still the majority but no politicians will say hey guys <laughs> it's like everybody else i think like i don't i think if if he had, and i think steve seller was the sailor strategy was like republicans have to just start talking to white people as white people they'd never lose another election i don't i don't know if that's true or not i mean the the shit that they'd have to deal with because trump never did but like look what he got tarred with either but Maybe, you know, I, th I think he was a little more ballsy in, uh, in 2016 and less so. so. Yeah, so I don't know. But I, uh, well, And he could have at least rolled out something simultaneously for white people if he was going to do the platinum plan, right? Like, the, the Cracker Barrel plan, yeah. like something <laughs> to like just to give him a bone. They would have been coming in droves. And again, you can't trust opinion polls, but I did an article right after the, you know, like a day or two after the election where at least the opinion polls said the only group he lost ground were white men it's like well that's that's if that's true well that sucks but i mean i you know i'm, I'm at the point though like to think it really matters too much who's president uh i think the country's way too big for that i, I really think that there are other strings you know that I, I really think and it was <laughs> the guy who red pilled me more than any and this was back in 1989 when, and when i say i was a wigger i never talked black or anything but i was I was you know, into NWA and Public Enemy, and you know, I, I, I was Locked down with Memphis, the call. So I know how that goes. <laughs> right, right. But I went to interview Tom Metzger, okay, uh, the leader of the White Aryan Resistance, and he was—I mean, it's weird too, because I was so brainwashed. He, he was a, mostly a TV repairman in Fallbrook, California, which was, I think, majority Mexican back then. But I was so like, still so brainwashed. I had to pee because I always have to pee. And uh, I went into their bathroom, and there's People Magazine. I remember being startled. I'm like, wow, these Nazis, they actually read People Magazine? Like, that's so weird. But when I asked him about equality, I, I think I even had my fucking Raiders shirt on. And I said, you know, because not because I like the Raiders, because yeah. that's what, right, right. And I said, you're not big on equality. And he said, no, no, neither is anyone in power. When they say all men are created equal, I laugh. No one in power believes that. I'm like, shut. Like, there's no comeback for that. So I, I do think my, I'd love to be wrong about this and most of the shit I say, but I think they dangle these candidates and it's just, just to, as riot insurance to give you the illusion that, you know, going and pulling a fucking lever really matters. I really, I think it's beyond that at this point. Would love to be wrong, but, uh, you know, prove me, prove me wrong. I, I don't think, I think it's way beyond that at this point. The country's way too big. All right, now let me roll through these questions. I figure we keep about 90 <laughs> minutes. I won't keep you as long as, as we did last time, but uh, I still have some questions here. I figure maybe the bottom of the hour if you're cool with that. Um, but uh, I don't know this person, so Chief of Staff prepared prepared this question, but he, he said, who is Matt Petgrave and what did he do? Then he says, how has the situation developed since and what should happen and what do you think will happen? The name sounds familiar, but I don't know. Matt Petgrave was the black player on some English hockey team. Oh, oh! Oh, the guy who cut the throat, uh, the other, the white hockey player, and they charged him yeah. with uh, manslaughter. He got charged with manslaughter, right? And this is one of these things, though, and this is why I kind of am an outlier. 
I'm totally willing to believe that a black hockey player purposely jumped in the air and did a kung fu kick to slice a white guy in the throat. Like, I'd have no problems believing that narrative. But the film was so fucking grainy, and it was so... And I slowed it down frame by frame. And you can tell, and he looks like he might... He bumps into another guy first. He might have gotten his skate, caught up with the other guy's skate. Then he falls back, and like... He's an acrobat if he was if he purposely kicked the guy in the throat. That's that's really. To me, it looked like he was trying to hit him or clip him. He knew he was going down, and it looked like he tried to clip. There's no way you could cut. No, you're going to cut somebody's throat though. Uh, but like the, the, but the, the weirdest thing there was like a second lunge with his leg. Yeah, that was the part. But it's kind of hard to tell because the guys, the guy who got killed, or he his glove, you know, his hockey gauntlet or whatever they yeah, call yeah. It was black, black too, and the skate was black. So I just said, I really can't tell. I mean, uh, I like hockey, my favorite sports team. And you can kind of see it in the background. There's, there's a, to the, like near the blue curtain, there's a, uh, and I just got this from a friend sent me. That's a picture of Bobby Clark, the what? center for the Philadelphia yeah. Flyers, the Broad Street Bullies from 74, 75. And Philly's not a, a, a city of champions. The Eagles just got their ass beat. The Eagles were overrated. They've won one Super Bowl. I mean, Pittsburgh, the little shitty 300,000 population Pittsburgh, that's the Pennsylvania City of Champions. Like six Super Bowls, five World Series, like way beyond Philly. But Bobby Clark, and I remember like, you know, as a kid and the girls were all pubescent, he was the cute one. But if you look at probably the first picture of Bobby Clark that comes up, like he's got no teeth. But that's a friend just sent me that for Christmas. That's a signed Bobby Clark picture. I like hockey because it's so violent. They were the Broad Street Bullies. I'm pretty sure the movie Slapshot. Did you ever see that with the Hanson brothers, Paul Newman movie? That's hilarious. Yeah, where they just they just beat the the Flyers basically beat the shit out of other people the way to two Stanley Cups in a row. City went nuts when they won. Uh, you know, Dave Schultz, the Dave the Hammer Schultz. They they were just thugs, and it was it was glorious. But I I don't and but they were saying well he's black and you know he had the most penalty minutes he could have. I just don't know, but and uh, you know, I'm I'm not sure like the complexities, or if you even want to get into complexities of whatever your legal charges have been. I'm sure it drives you nuts when people tell you what you intended to do and they weren't there and they were wrong. I don't know what was in this fucking guy's mind. I don't want to know what in this guy's mind. I guess a jury will decide. One thing that I thought was kind of notable was that nobody on the team of the guy who, as, as far as I know, nobody on the team of the guy who died, thought that Petgrave did it intentionally. So maybe they had a better view. I don't know. But, uh, well, you know, you when I first saw it, I didn't think intentional, but the more I looked at, and it's, I still don't think he intentionally killed anybody. I, it was more of, I, I slowed it down and looked at it. It was like, man, it looks like maybe he was trying to clip him somehow with his foot. And I, again, I don't know for sure. But this is what, this is part of the problem with everyone being politically poisoned is like the white identity, right wingers. Yeah. He killed him. And the, you know, people who believe blacks are in it, they couldn't have killed him. Like, it's like, let, let the fucking like is it so wrong to say let the facts come in and you know the, the best we have i'm i'd look forward to a day unless, unless they can just program the machines which obviously they can do but i'd rather have robots decide criminal cases because they don't have the i mean especially being, probably happen yeah. imagine, imagine being dragged in front of like a 400 pound black like somebody looks like stacy abrams who's charged with anything <laughs> in georgia it's like insane they're deciding your fate <laughs> yeah that, that's like that's like terrifying uh yeah it is actually 
Uh, all right, you, you skipped there for a second, but you're back. Um, all right, now let me go through the next. By the way, a little breaking news here. We were talking about E. Michael Jones earlier. He's been 404 from Cozy uh, during this broadcast, which means his channel's been deleted uh, huh. off of Cozy.tv, and I don't know why. I don't know the background on that. But uh, The funny thing is, like, as far as I can tell, he's a really good scholar with history. I'm That's one of my weak spots is history. Uh, I mean, if you like a grumpy old man, he's great for that. And he, he hammers at the Jews. And if you're into that, that's great. But I think the big flaw is he thinks there's, he thinks you can stop being Jewish just like you can stop being Catholic or, or I'm not even sure. Like he, he doesn't believe race is real, which is, that's a big strike against him. But I think he sees these as them as, you know, spiritual demons rather than what I, I mean, Ashkenazi Jews, people from the Levant. There, it was this guy named Adolf Hitler. Like, and it's another, the big lie about what Hitler wrote about the big lies. Just, Hitler would have said, "Yeah, told you so." Because if you look at Google or you look, read any of the modern history books, Hitler and Goebbels were pushing. You know, well, you have to you tell a big lie and they'll believe it. And 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 think about it though, if Hitler and Goebbels were actually stupid enough to pre and like they were preaching this as a policy, like no politician is dumb enough to come out and say that. What Hitler was saying back then, what the, the Jews do that, they, they based on the fact that most people are fundamentally honest and they'll, you know, they'll tell little lies, but they just won't tell a gigantic fucking lie. So they're more willing to believe a huge lie than a small one. But what Hitler specified what the big lie was that Jews are a religion and not a race. Hitler said they were a race and that the Jewish animus for non-Jews is racial hatred which kind of makes more sense. I mean, if, if it's just a religion, how there's so many atheist Jews, how can you have Ashkenazi DNA? It doesn't make any sense, but EMJ, he's, I mean, he's comical. And the thing too, like that guy's obsessed with cock. There was a uh, <laughs> upset. Like he doesn't, he was on, uh, you know, the guy, Frody, the scans of forum, Frody Midgard. He, uh, he's, he's from the Faroe islands or something. He had him on and like, yeah, yeah, of course. You want me to pull out my penis? Like it's, it's one of these, you know, and the, the gay disc, it's like, oh, it's all fag sex. And it's like, tone it down, fella. Like, like, look away. If you hate that shit that much, like maybe take it, you know, pull the cock out of your mind because people are going to start asking questions after a while. If that's all you ever talk about, because that's kind of like psych psychologically, that's a clinical condition at that point. He, he's so obsessed with gay sex. It's like, well, it's, it's disgusting but so smell some flowers or something like i don't know like some of these guys <laughs> they talk about gay sex like i think more than like guys in bathhouses giving each other aids talk about gay sex it's, it's suspicious oh well, wait chief of staff was suggesting a round two perhaps with you two on the kill show i don't I, know if you'd be that'd, that'd be great that'd, really? that'd be hilarious because i saw him on uh like, like i said he has a great knowledge of history i guess he's a phd in something but he's kind of dumb about a lot of things. So he he uh, he argued with that Sticks Hexenhammer guy. Yeah. About no, porn. Been on, yeah. And uh, he said, "Well, I I looked up I I looked up porn, porn addiction on on Google, and it got sixty six million results. So that means sixty six million people confessed they were addicted to porn." That's like oh. Fuck. And if you ever saw the debate he had with Jared Taylor about whether race is real, I did or not, actually. Yeah. Jared Taylor comes. That guy like should be the United States District Attorney. He comes up well 
the earwax <laughs> among Aboriginal Australians contains 23% more niacin than the, like, sets out this, and, and E. Michael Jones comes out screaming, you don't, you are afraid to talk about Jews. And it's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, he's not a good debater. I, uh, I mean, I'd like, I think I could really get under his skin. I think that would be really enjoyable. I do too. And you know what? I'll look into that. <laughs> doesn't, uh, doesn't take, doesn't take a lot. I'm glad to hear you say that. Now I'll see us. I'll see if we can if we can set that up. And I see Ocean uh, says, "Ralph, you need to have Jim Goat on at least once a week." I swear to God, LMF out. Well, I I love to have him on. He's probably got too much to do to come on once a week, but I, I'd love to have him on as much. Oh, as it's been crazy, man. The thing is, like, fuck, like it's been like like when you asked how I'm doing, it's like you really don't want to know. There's been so much shit, but uh, you know, as much as I can manage, because it's yeah. been uh, it's. And I know I whine about this all the time, but I and it's partly my fault for I, I was just the stupid idealistic writer who thought I could, you know, and I didn't realize there'd be this much cancellation and everything. But it's been since June of 2010, I've worked seven day weeks nonstop Fuck. and with all kinds of other shit going on, like tra all sorts of other traumas I'm not even going to get into. But uh, yeah, when I can, I mean, it's fun. Yeah, it's, it's always fun to have you on. Uh, now, let me see here. Okay, I have some more questions. Uh, and I'll ask, Dingo has another question, too. I'll ask that uh, at the end. Uh, what do you make of Javier Malay in Argentina, savior or executioner? We talked about libertarian earlier. He claims he was, he claims to be a libertarian. He's one of these, you know, he's colorful, I guess. And doesn't he, he has like five dogs, all the same breed, and each one's named after an Austrian school economist. Yeah, and, yeah. He's, he's got general. the hair and but then like immediately puts on a yarmulke and that like, i don't and, understand he's converting to judaism and i like, yeah oh, it's like okay i mean Ar argentina it's like there are parts of south america i remember once reading that argentina is the most like percentage-wise the most caucasian country yes. on the planet i've heard that yeah maybe is it all the nazis moved like i don't know but uh i'd love to see it i mean my uh the new Mrs. Goad, well, new like five years. The Mrs. Goad I've never argued with. The perfect Mrs. Goad. Her uh, her stepdad was Argentinian, but I'd, I'd like to go down there. I mean, any anywhere looks better than the U.S. at this point. And I hate to say that because when I was a kid, we were on top of the fucking world. But you know, the only obviously the thing I have with the whole generational astrology and getting the Zoomers pissed off at the Boomers and shit is the idea that I actually had anything any say in anything that happened. The minute I realized something was going wrong, I opened my mouth about it and lost like 98% of my career chances. And you, I guess you have to be really young and inexperienced to really think you have a say. And you, you can, just by the force of your will, change the course of world events. It's not that simple. It's always been a tiny, tiny sliver of the super hyper psycho elite that, you know, most people just, and most people are weak and will follow whatever happens. I, I agree with that principle, but... For fuck's sake, uh, you know, the U.S. is just, it's so sad at this point. Like the post office and just getting anything done is like, what was it? I had to send a certified letter 14 miles from here and it had to reach there a certain time. And like I dropped it off and, you know, I used stamps.com. So there's tracking and it took like 10 days to go 14 miles and the post office I sent it didn't scan it. And the oh. post office that received it didn't scan it. And shit like this, it happens in super, like everybody's just dumb. It's idiocracy. It's worse than idiocracy at this point. It's, and you know, you can, you can blame whomever you want, but, uh, 
you know, the only question is, was it by design or by accident? <laughs> but you know, just to think this entire generation said, yeah, we're selfish. It, that's so stupid. Like every, human nature is constant. If, you know, and the thing is, oh, my dad grew up in better times than I did. There were more opportunities. My dad didn't have a high school education. He worked as hard as I do, but he, he could buy a new car every three years and then support a family of four, you know, just working his, he worked his ass off. But I, you know, him being addicted to me, I blamed him, but not his generation. It's like, well, that, that must have been nice. But to think, you know, oh, they all these myths about boomers and it, like you whiny little fucking keyboard warrior punks. Do you think you'd be any different? You're just resentful. And maybe that's a way you, that's a way to turn white people against each other. Think about it. I know, like, you know, everybody gets to be white except for beards and beardly. <laughs> his, his, his ex-wife's black his, his ex-wife's black husband gets to be uh, honorary white you know i tell people this all the time and i and i live in mexico i live in the best part of mexico in the yucatan and it's super safe here and you know there are some areas that are a little hectic i guess i guess you may say but this isn't one of them and i and i tell people all the time uh how much better it is here in almost every regard uh compared to the united states and it's, you know some people don't believe me they just can't going, understand uh been, it's going on for a really long time like i said when i you know i was maybe i was it was a psyop i was brainwashed into thinking us was on top of the world when i was a kid but yeah. everybody the, the one thing i keep bringing up too the the year the month and year i was born june of 1961 I checked the top five TV programs. They were all Westerns. Back when America was expanding and the space race was a big thing. We're gonna, we didn't just conquer the world, we're conquering outer space. And now everything is apologizing and taking down Robert E. Lee's statue and you know, renaming John Wayne International Airport. Everything's oh. apology and retraction. It's like that, you're just setting yourself, you know, people smell blood now. The US is in a state of contraction and death. I'd like, you know, make America great again. Like, well, that, that'd be nice. But good luck. I think it's out of parties' hands. I think this is an organic process. Like, well, even just, just make it decent again, right? Like, <laughs> that's great, right? I don't know. There might have it's, to be some kind of, you know, collapse for even that to even be possible. I, I hope that's not true, but that's what I think too. Yeah. Uh, and you're paying a premium, like, for what? Like, uh, it's just. Well, that's no, why, like, the whole just to ring, just because I know it annoys people, the whole libertarian thing. This is one of the things. It was, I think, FDR who he uh, he introduced withholding like tax, like so you never even touch the money, which is kind of genius. Like that, then you don't miss it. <laughs> but when I when I first when I got a big my only book big book deal in my life, the Redneck Manifesto in '96. It was a $62,000 advance, which is probably like more than twice that today. Sure. But that's the end of the year. It's like they wanted 15,000 back. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like I, and I'm, I started questioning, like, what does this go for? The, the roads don't work. The, you know, no, I don't have healthcare. Like, what do you, when you start, when you actually have to give the money back and touch it, you start asking questions and even, even shit like, you know, the mortgage that I pay. I'm five years into this mortgage and the, the monthly payment, like I'm trying to think it's like one sixth of it, like 15% goes to the principal. Everything else is taxes and fees and interest. And you start asking questions and that, that's, that's something too. Like, you know, my, my brain damaged noggin. It's like, what the fuck? Why is no one allowed to, it's all degeneracy or racism and cult, you know, super, 
when you think about it, a lot of that shit, yeah, it means something, but it's superficial. Like nobody's allowed to talk about it. Everybody getting raped by the financial system. And I'm I'm economically retarded, so I'm not really one to have a solution, but I'm just, you know, just you start asking questions. All right, now let me roll through some more of these. Uh, why do this is a little bit uh, not out left field, but uh, it's different from some of the other questions I've asked. Uh, why do men die earlier than women, and what's some of the burden that only men can truly understand? <laughs> well, there was a joke I first heard in prison. Why do men die ten years younger than women? And the answer was because they want to, because <laughs> <laughs> they never had to be around women and shit. But uh, it wasn't always the case. Uh, I think throughout most of the 1800s in America, men outlived women. Uh, and but you know back then women had a lot of uh, they had a lot more death. kids, yeah. and I think they're more susceptible to certain infectious diseases. But uh, and in this this was the movie in the article I did a couple of weeks ago. It was called "Why Men Die Younger Than Women," and uh, I think it's increasing a little bit. The gap. I think it's now like. 5.7 years or something, but I'll always remember this. And the, most of my references are shit that nobody is even aware of. Cause like I, it's before they were born, but it had to be 1975. Cause I distinctly remember that love will keep us together by the captain and Tennille was the biggest song in the country. And we were staying down at this motel. We always stayed at in Wildwood, New Jersey, which was heaven to me when I was a kid. Cause Wildwood, I think still, but it's probably all dilapidated. They had this like three, three mile long boardwalk. And every place was either a pizza joint, saltwater taffy, or one of these places where you you squirt the water pistol in the clown's mouth and pop the balloon first, and you get a stuffed animal. And four big piers with like 30 rides. It was great as a kid. But we'd taken a break from the boardwalk. Me, my mother, and my sister are sitting out on these steel benches outside our motel rooms. Brother-in-law and dad are probably you know sleeping off their exhaustion from working 51 weeks a year just so they get this one week of vacation. And the women were just cackling and bitching. They were making fun of their looks and just their behavior and what fools they were. And of course, both these guys died before my sister and mom, and they just took the money and sucked like vampire. And it's that's kind of been the way of the world, like for most of my life, is that men are expected to kill themselves on behalf of women. And that's like, look, I uh fuck. I mean, as far as the and, I, and this is an unpopular opinion too. Male bonding, like for the most part, I think that's good when you can't figure out how to get pussy. <laughs> but pussy's really nice, and and uh, and I understand how you know, and then and the Pareto principle and all this shit, and that like a lot of the government policies disincentivize family making and all that stuff. But it, women, I mean, I think. I think, you know, that's why, you know, the biblical story, it's like, you know, Eve would blame Eve. Cause one thing I'm vaguely aware of is that like before some of these Abrahamic religions came along, a lot of the pre, you know, the prehistoric, uh, religions were goddess cultures and they would just crush male babies heads. And, you know, you know, they were anti-male, but it's, it's weird. You find yourself in a position where the, the establishment left openly appeals to women and the establishment right says, yes, pop out a few of the guy's babies and wait till he dies and live, live on it for the next 20 years. So they're both feminists in a way. Guys are really fucked. And it's weird, like, because you get this, you know, from the, the organized incel trademark community. Oh, you're a simp if you even want to touch a woman. You're a fag if you want to have sex with a woman. And all. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, guys, calm down. Like, 
I have your back as far as sympathy goes. It's it really sucks to be a man in this culture, wherever you're coming at uh, from politically. But uh, yeah, the short answer and the joke, but it's a bitter. Men die younger because they want to, because there's really no advantage to being a guy at a certain point. All right, now Dingo had this question uh, earlier, and then I'll ask you about some countercurrent stuff, and I'll let you go. But um, <clears throat> he said, he, I guess he had heard somebody talking about this, and I, and I knew you'd had uh, brain tumor, like you said, uh, and, and had an operation on it. Uh, but he said, how can a brain injury change your personality? Uh, is what he wanted to ask. And do you know anything about that? I had some. I think I was more clear-headed afterwards. Uh, the really? short, short story. I mean, I was uh, I was born, I guess, epileptic. Uh, I used to have night seizures uh, when I was a kid. I uh, hadn't had any for decades, and I started to get what, like, if you look up migraine aura on Google Images, it's it's a very distinctive. It looks like this jagged. It almost looks like the logo for my magazine, Answer Me. This jagged but it's like this pulsating like marquee rainbow. And I was getting those. I'm thinking, well, I did do my share of LSD. Like I'm having acid flashbacks, but then they got more intense. And like, I sometimes I'd be really sensitive to light and start throwing up. And, uh, I, uh, I woke up one morning. It was June 1st, 2008. And I felt one coming on and I blinked my eyes. I, I opened my eyes and there's a hostile looking black dude in an ambulance, Fuck. like look, looking down at me. And they wheel me in. They're like, you have a plum-sized brain tumor. And it wasn't in the brain. I think you're, you're dead once that happens. It was, between, it was a meningioma between the skull and the brain that caused the seizure. And nine-hour operation, they took it out, carved it out and everything. And, uh, but I didn't, I didn't, this is just my luck. When I, after I took a plea bargain for beating that bitch who deserved it back, uh, I somehow was talking to my lawyer and I, I brought up, I was epileptic. She's like, why didn't you tell me that? I'm like, why should I? She's like, I could have gotten you off just on that. But that brain tumor was growing 15 to 20 years. If I had known that, no, no contest they, I would have gotten off. But as, I mean, I, I'm more clear thinking, but I'm not going to do any more acid, you know, but a, a real, real quick story. If you've got the time sure, for this, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a racial story. Because <laughs> this was a month before my son was born, and we had, you know, we already had some nicknames for him. I'm disgustingly affectionate, you know, to animals and loved ones. I make up nicknames, I make up gay little songs for them and stuff. So we had already, you know, one of the nicknames for my son was Little Mr. Monkey. And we had a, we had a whole monkey room set up for him in his crib and had, you know, monkey decorations and all this shit. So I remember feeling sick. I felt a migraine coming on, but. According to, you know, what was then my wife, she's now my ex-wife, mother of my son. She said, I just started seizing out. She thought I was fucking with her. She said, stop it. No, I, I fell down dead. I was blue. I stopped breathing. And she performed mouth to mouth, called the ambulance. The ambulance came with three black dudes and an Asian dude. And I called them monkeys. And she tried to explain, hey, look, it's nothing personal. There's this monkey room. It's probably that. And I, apparently I said something about letting the goats out too. So I was not really coherent, but I guess that's why the black dude was like looking at me angrily. Like the first face I saw was this pissed <laughs> off black dude saving my life, but uh, who I just called a monkey. But just because I'm a dick, I had good insurance at the time that brain surgery cost uh, 90,000 bucks. It covered everything, but a hundred dollar copay for the ambulance. Wow. But just cause I'm an asshole, this is back before email when you had these things called letters. I got a $100 money order and I wrote enclosed, hey, dear Ambulance Co. Enclosed, find a $100 monkey order. 
for the, you know, I just called it a monkey order and sent it, sent it off to them. But that's that's the extra story with my brain. You had but, pretty good insurance, I would say. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Now, let me ask you uh, about countercurrents here. How's your experience uh, been working at countercurrents? Uh, it does seem like a pretty positive environment over there. And I, I love how they have the audio version of a lot of articles stuff and stuff, too. And I hear yeah. they take good care of their people and stuff. I, how's your experience been at countercurrents? Well, so it's this weird thing because uh, Greg. We had Greg Johnson on. You were just about to mention it. We had him on since you've been on. But yeah, go ahead. He, uh, I mean, years ago, like, he, and he wrote under a pseudonym. Uh, he did a review. It's funny because, like, before I came on Countercurrents, there were three different writers reviewed three of my books, and it was all basically the same thing: a really good writer, but bad human being. That was the conclusion about me with each each of them. And and Greg did a review of my book, Shit Magnet, and he said, "Brilliant polemicist, but." piece of shit <laughs> like we're worst <laughs> human being i've ever heard of came from a bad sperm and a bad egg and all that but uh i've been writing for tacky's mag for like 10 years and what an idiotic clueless cunt tacky's daughter was because tacky i have no problems with him but i only talked to him once at some party up in manhattan some 70 year old marine friend of his had a birthday party at a barn in manhattan but he you look at a picture of tacky theodore Coppolis, he always looks like he's drunk off his ass having the time of his life but the, the 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 editor there, his his daughter was just a very unpleasant somebody who was raised to think they're super special when there's nothing special about them and just insufferable to deal with. So I mean, one thing led to another, and uh, I you know I I quit it the same day that she gave me that she just crossed the line with something. Greg said, "How much are they paying you?" He's like, "I'll pay you that." I'm like, "Bye." So I went over to Countercurrents and uh, I was writing a weekly news review called The Week That Perished. David Cole, the world's only Jewish Holocaust revisionist, took that over. And uh, I jumped. So oh, I he's a, the a, one who took your spot? He's been on here before, too. I, I, he got yeah. that column. Okay. We used to hang out like in the uh, early 90s in L.A. Uh, it's, it's, it's a weird group wow. back then because uh, me and David Cole and Nick Bugis, if you know who that yeah, is. We talked about him last time, yeah. Yeah, uh, we would go to like revisionist conferences, like in the back, you know, the back conference room of like Golden Corrals and <laughs> in Irvine, California, and stuff. Uh, but yeah, Greg's been fantastic to work with, and Tacky—I mean, Tacky, who's like million, possibly like hundreds of millions of dollars. Like they'd only pay every three months. Greg, I get a direct deposit like the day the every article publishes, so wow. that's great. But uh, we're at the end of the year end fundraiser i think funds are drying up everywhere so the one way <laughs> you can help us if you go to countercurrents and just look it up or look at uh, jim goat's karaoke cavalcade on uh, on youtube for a hundred bucks you pick a song if i think i can do it justice or i can mangle it in a funny way I'll record a video of me singing it, and it goes strictly to countercurrents to help the uh, the fundraiser. And by the way, people who've never done writing for a living don't know how important that last part before that you said is that he pays you on the day of the article. You, you get a steady payment. That's rare. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Very rare uh, in, the, in the industry. And I, like I said, I do streaming now, but I used to be a blogger back in the day, and uh, mostly ad-supported, and you talk about... Uh, a different no, and, and yeah, with Tacky's, it was every three months. Sometimes she'd be six weeks late on that. It was, it was insane. And she and she'd be a cunt about it. Well, sounds like you really need the money. It's like, sorry, you know, I didn't. I wasn't born with a silver dildo up my ass, lady. Like, 
just disgusting. She could almost make me a communist. She was just one of those persons. <laughs> such a stereotypical, clueless, rich kid. Right. She's rich, so she doesn't understand. So I, I, I need that money. Like, I'm She'd planning be, on I getting mean, this it, payment. Yeah, go ahead. One of these people, if she had to survive in her witch, she would have been homeless. Like, yeah. <laughs> By the way, Dingo says, is there a way to support directly to you? Well, he told you how to support Countercurrent. I don't know if you want to get into that. Uh, just the, I mean, for right now, well, uh, if you go to censored.tv, that's Gavin's site, and use the code word BALLS to subscribe, <laughs> that sends a, I do a, like a three-hour show every week there called Hardballs. Uh, but, uh, I mean, as far as, I mean, if you want to send me money, it's Cash App, uh, Dollar sign Jim Goad, all lowercase. Zell, JG at jimgoad.net if you want to tip me. But if you want some value for it, something lasting, just go to jimgoad.net. All my books are there. You get them signed and sent to you, postage paid uh, for the cover price. Very cool. All right. Uh, and then it's a couple more questions on that. But how, how's 2023 been for the site? And I think you went to one of their events because I think we played uh, the speech. I think that was a countercurrence event. Yeah, we man. The thing was, though, it's like it's, it's been just an insane fucking year. And I've got sleep problems as it is. But I mean, I've I got into Fort Worth on two hours of sleep. And my, the thing there, I'm just incoherent, but, but it was called how to divide white people. That was the germ, yeah. the genesis of it tomorrow. I'm on deadline for Thursday. I'm finally going to write that as an article and bring up some of the things I brought up at the beginning of this. It's like, you guys think you're leading a movement, but you're, it's basically this catty infighting shit and you're encouraging dividing white people along age and sex and income and, and whether you're religious or not. Maybe you're being played, but it, it was Mark Twain who said it's easier to fool people than to get them to admit or to convince them they've been fooled. That's a hard sell. It's like that's that's a lot of shame. It's like oh fuck, I've been I've been mouthing off and <laughs> like pointing fingers, and I look like an idiot because you know we we missed the forest for the trees. I, I think the main thing is even left or right. I mean, there's still white people like you know brothers in the hood. They don't give a fuck if you're a Democrat or not to, to the degree that white people. It's it's like white people have been successfully divided along all this shit. And as, like I said, as someone who's been to prison or, you know, if society breaks down, they don't, you know, non-whites don't discriminate. They're going to see you as white. They don't care what you think. You're white. And they've been brainwashed into thinking you're responsible for all their problems. Just like the Zoomers have been brainwashed into thinking the boomers caused all their problems. It's, it's all a psyop. Knock it the fuck off. And I, and I see this this last question I'm on the hit, uh, and you mentioned one of the upcoming projects at Countercurrence. Now, you could talk about anything you're working on there, but I know you're also uh, working on a book. Uh, oh, do you have well. a picture? Yeah, let, picture? Me, let, me, let me pull that up. This okay. picture is haunting, actually. Uh, <laughs> okay, before you, before you show it, I'll introduce it, because, uh, okay. I mean, I've, I've done, I think, 11 books at this point. Only two were written as books. The rest are anthologies. There's Answer Me or... I've written hundreds of articles, I think over a thousand articles over the last 10 years. So there's whiteness, the original sentence, like, well, I've written all these articles about, you know, the attack on whiteness. There's one and gender psychosis about trannies and rape culture and all this shit. But I looked at, you know, most of these books are like 50, 55 articles, but uh, I've written last count, like 95 articles about black people. I'm like, okay, it's time to do a book about blacks. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm thinking, what's a good title? And I, I came up with the Jigga book. And I'm like, I, but I had a friend, I brought that up to a friend. He's like, no, Negronomicon. I'm like, that's the title of the book. And I got a designer friend like, cause Necronomicon, uh, I guess, and I'm not too familiar with it. It's, I think it's H 
it's Lovecraft. I don't, I'm not even sure, but I guess I should know. But uh, all these gnarled face in a tree kind of covers. But this is this is just a dummy mock-up. It's definitely not going to be the final cover. And I'll pull this up. This, you can go ahead and keep talking. Go ahead. This is the working cover for Negro Nomicon. There we go. There it is on screen. This he showed this to me in Telegram, and I just saw it. He'd sent it like an hour before, and then I just saw it right before I sent him the link. And I was kind of like scared, honestly, when I saw it. I was like, it's a, yeah, it's pretty scary. It looks like a Negro birthday cake. Or yeah, <laughs> it's crazy as fuck. Uh, yeah. It looks like uh, it's like a black person with like fire damage or something to their fate. Like, right. Yeah, like it looks, yeah. yeah burn looks, victim. Yeah. <laughs> burn victim. Yeah. Like a black bur a, a burn victim there. Yeah. But uh, uh, that's, that's the working. I'm, I'm sure we'll have a title on there and stuff. And uh, I mean, I might, cause with the last, with the answer me reprint, I went balls out. I went hardcover, all glossy, every page colorized. And another friend, he sent me a thumb drive. I've got all these great old, like piccaninny cartoons so it's, the illustrations are going to be great throughout but it's just it's all my my articles about the blacks very cool i see some people in chat already saying they're interested in picking that up once it comes out uh you have a date on when it might come out oh uh, i mean once i can get through you know i can swim through some of the uh the hard currents the counter currents uh you know over the next coming months because we, we might you know want to relocate but uh Springtime, yeah. summertime, but uh, you know, it's it's one of these things too. Because uh, answer me, fuck, it was like a year and a half just finding a printer. We finally found a place in uh, South Korea. I doubt there's any more any Americas or Europe where that's going to print this. So we might have to go like just you know, Cam Cam Cambodia or something. <laughs> fucking get a printer. Jim Goad here on the kill stream. Now, anything I forgot or anything you wanted to touch on that I didn't hit during this uh, hour and a half or so. No, nah, that's, I mean, it's, it's a sincere Christmas wish for everybody. Like, try to forget you. politics for the season, like until New Year's. And then go nuts about, like, let polit let the other side drive you fucking crazy and make you unhappy for the rest of, you know, 2024. But, I, you know, that's, that's the, you know, good tidings and great joy that I can, like, I really think we've all been backed into a corner and made nuts with politics. And they're not that they're not important, but... If what's the you know change what you can accept the things you like life hey, is really hey. life is fucking brutally short and you know you only get so many it? christmas seasons uh, right and what's i'm not sure if this is the bible or shakespeare hope deferred maketh the heart sick like lay out lay off just for a little bit and uh you know touch the grass smell the flowers hug somebody you care like and as, as corny as that sounds it's like yeah like life like life is way too fucking short to be have your pants in a knot over what the other side keeps doing. I agree hundred percent. Jim Goad here live on the kill stream tonight. Thank you, sir, for taking the time out to talk yeah, to man. us and we'll try to get you back soon, man. I appreciate it. Merry uh, Christmas. Uh, you too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Jim Goad. I enjoyed that a lot. Round of applause. He's so easy to talk to.